yeah and I, th- I think having a contract is just part of being a design professional and if you're doing work for someone close to you often those are the projects that can be hardest because they accidentally want to take advantage of you because you're a friend so they're gonna you know push the project out way out of scope so using a contract is a great way to get that more professional relationship in place and they'll respect that if they respect you because you know this is this is what you do this is your thing Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creatives. I'm one of your hosts, Femke. And I'm your other host, Charlie. Today we're going to be talking about design contracts. This is one of those, you know, quote unquote, boring things that (laughs) we believe every freelancer needs to deal with. Uh, So we're going to be talking about it today, about how we figured out our contracts, how we go about getting clients to sign them. And we've got loads of advice to share from our listeners as well, which is going to be really awesome. But before we get into all that, how has your week been, Fem? Well, I'm actually excited about this week because I get to see you. Woo! (laughs) Yes! It's so soon. I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. So this weekend, I'm hosting a Thanksgiving dinner. So we're recording this on Thanksgiving week. And I'm very excited about it, getting all of my closest friends over to my house. So that's really special. And so I'm kind of juggling, like, obviously, there's side project commitments that I have to do, like recording this episode and doing my newsletter, etc. But also in the background, I'm preparing for hosting Thanksgiving dinner. So it's it's an exciting week. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, very busy week for you. <laughs> I'm sort of in the same boat, just juggling all of the things at the moment. I don't know what it is about this time of year, but for some reason, everything just seems to pile up. I think it's just we're all trying to finish stuff before the year ends. I think so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. At the moment, I've got on a freelance project um, in the middle of some, you know, like some big life changes that have been like, you know, emotionally draining that... I will talk about in a later episode. Please, oh my God, that sounded really dramatic. It's nothing serious. It's actually a really good thing. But <laughs> Exciting life changes that you'll be yeah, able to exciting, share soon. Exciting life changes I'll share soon. Uh, but yeah, that alongside a freelance project and the normal content output and our sticker pack, um, packaging up them to go, oh, by the way, anyone listening, uh, I don't know if there's any left in the store by the time this episode comes out but if there is head to designlife.fm slash store and you might just find some of our limited edition sticker packs for sale so go pick one up for only ten dollars and give me something else to do (laughs) it's been so cool seeing people who have received theirs and posting pictures of them on twitter it's just so cool i love it yep and seeing our stickers stuck on laptops alongside some really cool other brands as well it's been really cool I guess another thing that I should mention is that when this episode comes out, I will almost be stepping on a plane to go to New Zealand. You will. Yeah. So I'm going to New Zealand for about six weeks over Christmas and the new year, and it won't make any changes to the podcast. The podcast will still be happening weekly, uh, but I guess I may develop a little bit of extra Kiwi slang over that period. (laughs) So. Brace yourselves, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Will you prepared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So today's topic of having a contract. So we both agree that it's important to have one, right? But I think we should explain why, because some people first starting out, perhaps maybe they haven't encountered a contract before. Maybe it seems like something that only the big agencies should use. You know, if you're working with a big company, that's the only time it would matter. 
I don't know. Can you explain why it's important to have a contract? I don't even know where to start. I think you want to have a contract in the hopes that you actually don't have to use it, if that makes sense. Yes, that's so true. I think having a contract is there to not only protect you, but also protect the client. Uh, You really want to sort of spell out all the possible or I guess important possible scenarios that could happen and make sure that you're both protected should that situation arise. So you basically want to cover those situations, for example, you know, what happens if there's scope creep or what happens if the client wants to back out halfway through or maybe something on your side, maybe something personal happens and you can't continue the project. Those kind of unfortunate scenarios that you never know if they're going to happen, you kind of want to have something in place that will sort of determine what will happen in those situations. Yeah, and I also include things like feedback timing in mind too so like so it says that I need feedback within 48 hours or whatever the time frame is that I've decided will be appropriate for meeting the deadline and that the project finished eight will be delayed by every single day that the client delays feedback so things like that are in there so that you know if the project takes longer than expected because you're waiting for the client to get back to you that's not on you like you're covered and and you've got that extra time back because they've they've had a delay, things like that. So that you're basically spelling out the process in the contract and making sure that every eventuality is covered, like you said, because you never quite know. Even though the client has been super responsive in the the lead up, doesn't mean they're gonna respond, you know, within an hour to your feedback requests, as I have discovered. So <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of little handy clauses like that to include. I I've only recently started including a clause like that, specifically around feedback and feedback time, because I was getting to the point where like it takes too long and it actually hinders the the due date. You know, if they take yeah, too exactly. long to reply, that's that's gonna make it more stressful for you to still deliver everything on time. Uh, and another clause that I've been meaning to implement into my contracts is a pause clause. I don't know Interesting. if this sounds familiar to anybody listening, but it's basically a clause that will uh, determine what happens if one of the parties wants to put the project on pause or on hold. And that's something that I've been wanting to implement, not necessarily because I've needed it so far, but you never, you never know, right? Like you kind of never know what's going to happen. So you kind of want to cover for those potential situations that might come up. Yeah, I guess for a lot of things, you might find yourself as you go, like starting with a contract and then adding to it as situations arise, you know, that are sort of like that. Uh, some other things in mind, I'm just having a look at it now to see what else I can bring up. There's things like the ownership of the artwork, the the IP. So depending on the project, it will either say that the client uh, is licensing the design, for example, but I retain mm-hmm. the rights. Usually it's that on the final, after final payment and transfer of files, the client owns all the rights to the project. You know, you need that in there to, so that everyone knows where they stand basically when it comes to copyright. And there's things saying that I warrant that this, to the best of my knowledge, is not is original work and hasn't been previously published, blah, blah, blah. You know, so that the client can feel like, I don't know, it, it's good to have it in there, even though I know I'm never going to copy something, but then the client right. knows it too, you know. <laughs> yeah, like you want to clarify those 
like they might seem obvious to you and obvious to the client, but you want to clarify them and have them written down in a contract. Uh, and another thing that I like to include is the payment schedule. So how yes. I expect to be paid. And that's a really, really important one to have in there. And most likely the only thing that you might have to use your contract for is referring yeah. <laughs> to the payment schedule. Uh, like we just did an episode on getting paid, uh, but obviously sometimes it might come down to the point of having to actually remind them of the contract that they signed. And so having the payment schedule in your contract can be useful in those situations when maybe your client's taking way too long to pay you, you can uh, remind them of, of what they signed and what they are expected to do. Yeah, I, the same for that is when it comes to changes, there's a clause in my contract about uh, that additional alterations and changes to like the concepts or the direction of the piece or the scope or whatever we're doing outside of the like allowed revisions that I've stated in the like the project brief up the top, that that will require like altering the time frame and the cost of the project, like basically re-scoping it and, and starting fresh with this process pretty much. But things like that are important to have because then you've got something to fall back on if the client does come to you making very unreasonable requests that aren't what you initially agreed on. And like you said, Fem, you hope you don't have to use it, but it's there just in case. Do you include anything at all in your contract about like an outline of the project and the deliverables that they'll receive so that you can kind of refer to that at any point and be like, this is like what the project is? Yeah, totally. So at the top, I have project details, which is basically a, a bullet point list, uh, briefly explaining the project because like the full brief has been written in the proposal that I sent over. So this is more like a succinct version. And then there's deliverables, which states exactly the things that I am going to give them as a result of this project. So for example, if they need uh, all of their logos exported as JPEGs, you know, if that's not on the deliverable list, I won't be doing that part. And that's something that I clarify with them, you know, obviously before writing the contract, I check what they need and then ask them to check and make sure that everything they need is listed there in the deliverables and that, you know, we're on the same page. And that's actually a really good way to get them to actually read the contract. Too. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Do you do something similar? Yeah, similar. I just include a bit of a overview or, or a brief a summarized brief of what the project actually is at the top just so that they can refer to that and it's you know kind of signed like we've both that kind of shows that we've both read it and we both agree with what the project is etc and so it just kind of establishes that mutual agreement yeah totally so how did you create your contract because mine comes from a template from the Sean Wears Learn Lettering class, the master course oh, yeah. included templates and things like that. So my contract is a slightly modified version of that. But I found that so useful because I didn't know about clauses like, uh, you know, the rights. There's something called indemnification that I still don't really properly understand, to be honest, but it's something to do with whether the client can sue you or not, I think. <laughs> so there's there's lots of little things like that that I would never have thought of if I didn't have a template, you know? So how did you come up with yours? Yeah, I mean, creating a contract is difficult if you want to do it from scratch and by yourself. Uh, if you do want to do it that way, then you probably want to work with a lawyer to do that or at least run it past a lawyer or a lawyer friend or something uh, just to make sure it's legit. 
Yeah, just to interrupt there, we had a tweet from one of our listeners, PT, said, always have a lawyer draft your first one and have them walk you through how to change it and that it's worth the cost. Mm. Yeah, and another thing to note is that your contract is going to require certain information or certain clauses based on the country that you live in. You obviously have to abide by the law of the country that you're working in, and so you might want to do a bit of research there to see what's required or what you should have based on that. Uh, But in terms of where I got my contract from, I don't remember the exact source. I could probably dig it up, but like you, it was just a template online that I sort of modified, you know, uh, backspaced United States and in, in, in inserted Holland <laughs> uh, for the most part. But yeah, it was just a template online that I found that was free and I've sort of modified it and taken out things that I either didn't think were necessary or didn't agree with or, or whatever. You know, obviously read whichever template you're you're going to use and make any necessary changes that better reflect how you want to work and how you want to operate. You know, if the template says like 10% down payment, but you want 50%, then obviously change that. Uh, But still, I would recommend getting at least someone else to look over it if you are using a template. And that could even just be like another freelancer friend. Maybe you just want to compare your contracts just to make sure you're both covering the right things yeah, that you should be covering or maybe they've got a clause in there that you hadn't thought about and you're like, oh, I should I should include that. Uh, so I do definitely recommend if you are using a template to at least get someone else to check over it for you. Using templates seems to be the way to go. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of sweet responses to this, it's, which is good because it means it's something that people are thinking about. And a lot of people said that they use have taken a template and you know modified it or whatever like we have seems like the most common ones uh we've had uh brianna said she uses the aiga template they must have one online somewhere that i'll try and find a link in the show notes eric said he used a modified template from shake law which i then looked up and it seems to be a company that like helps you with legal things so like helps you create sign and send a legally binding agreement so obviously the client can then sign it through that service as well which seems pretty cool and the one that so many people mentioned was bonsai is this something you've used before Feb? yes i have used bonsai and i stopped using it for a reason that i can't 100 percent confidently remember (laughs) why that is i think potentially they didn't support the euro currency or they didn't support the netherlands as a country it was something it was something like that that like there was some lack of support for my region or something uh, was why I didn't use it. But I think they may have since updated it since I last heard. Yeah, I was just having a look at it because it's not something that I've used before. And they've got like a free section for freelancers, basically, that helps you make a contract and then people can sign and pay it through there as well. So that's definitely something I'm going to check out because yeah, like we talked about in our invoicing episode mine is currently just a pdf so yeah (laughs) there's a lot of tools out there now for freelancers like we're pretty lucky I think to be freelancing in this day and age where there's just so many helpful tools out there and things like bonsai or other contract tools I think I think they're so easy to use and if you can just send your client like a link and they can just electronically sign it or or whatever, that's going to be so helpful for them and probably eliminate a lot of time and having them get to, you know, print it out and sign it and scan it back in and send it back to you. Like that could just be a week in itself for them to get around to doing it. So 
making the most of online tools that are available to you and making it easier for you and the client, I think like there's big ups to doing that. Totally. Like the less friction you can have, the better, right? And having to print something out and sign it is always going to be friction. Like I don't own a printer. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? Well, just while we're speaking about clauses and things, uh, our one of our listeners, MDP Translations, said that I have a suggestion. Adding specific clauses for each job, apart from general clauses, could save you some trouble. So this means having a template for general things for all jobs, and then only specific clauses that you add for each project or change them as needed. So basically, mm. it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for a contract. And there's always going to be some clauses that you always need, but then you should have saved some other like scenarios, I suppose, that you adapt for for each type of project that you do. Like I imagine having a website might require different clauses to a logo design, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Like depending on the type of work you're doing, there might be different uh, things that you need in there, depending on the type of work you're doing. Yeah. Should we get into some questions? Because we had a lot of really, really good ones. Yeah, let's hear them. Okay, so Katie said... As someone just starting out with freelancing, how do I start using contracts, especially for clients I know personally? I want to use contracts to have the agreement in place, but I don't want to offend people by them thinking I don't trust them. Mm. Yeah, so you have to understand that having a contract with someone doesn't mean you don't trust them. It's it's not saying, hey, I don't trust you, so can you sign this document that'll make me trust you? It's more protection for both of you. Like you could position it as... Uh, beneficial for both you and your client and if you wanted to you could position it more as beneficial for the client uh, just to help convince them or ease that sort of uh, negativity over why you're having a contract with them in the first place but yeah I don't think having a contract is offensive I think it's if anything showing your professionalism and showing yeah, that's what I was gonna say yeah like showing you know this is how it works I know what I'm doing uh having this is beneficial for you because of xyz and it's beneficial for me because of xyz and it just helps you know set the relationship off on the right foot and helps protect both of us should things go wrong yeah and I, th- I think having a contract is just part of being a design professional and if you're doing work for someone close to you often those are the projects that can be hardest because they accidentally want to take advantage of you because you're a friend so they're going to you know push the project out way out of scope so using a contract is a great way to get that more professional relationship in place and they'll respect that if they respect you because you know this is this is what you do this is your thing and you don't have to position it as a big deal like being look I'm really sorry I'm gonna need you to sign this contract Mm -hmm. you know don't don't pitch it like that be like hey here's my design agreement calling it an agreement could be a good thing as well because it's a bit less scary than contract, you know. Here's my agreement. It just spells out the process and what's required from you, what's required from me, and when it's all going to be done by. So have a look at that and sign it if you're happy. Yeah, I don't think and you need to make it a big deal, you know, or blow it out of out of proportion. And I think also if you're starting and maybe like a 10-page contract is a bit intimidating for you, you could just start with like a one-pager sort of terms of service maybe uh, and you could just have – like the the essential clauses that you need just summarize those little paragraphs on like a one or two pager and maybe you could just start with that to see how that goes if that helps make you feel a little bit more comfortable about the whole thing but I wouldn't rely on on using that for a long period of time I'd I'd recommend quickly switching over to full 
contracts. Yeah, and I don't know, something you'll get used to over time and it'll make you feel more professional as well. It sure did for me when I started using a contract instead of just, you know, thinking that, oh, it's in in an email, so it'll be fine. (laughs) This is an interesting question from Trisha. She said, I don't use a contract yet. I'm pretty new to freelancing. How do you know when it's necessary and how do you write it? So I think to answer that first part, always is the answer. It is always necessary. You know, if you're doing a project for a friend that they're not paying you for and you're just doing it as a favor, perhaps not then, you know. But if you want to stop that kind of work in the future, then a a contract could be good because I'll see you as more of a professional. But I think it's always necessary. I think no matter how well you think the contact has gone so far with the client, you always want to have it in writing and you always want to make sure you're on the same page and be clear of things. So... I think start using one straight away. I agree. And I think it's also necessary to have one, even if you're doing pro bono work or doing something for free. Yeah. And I kind of learned this the hard way, unfortunately. I was doing a for free project and I did not have a contract with them. And halfway through, they pulled out. And I mean, you could argue that like, it didn't, you know, what? who, who cares? It doesn't matter because I wasn't going to get paid anyway. But it was still really frustrating for me having done all of that work and not really like having much to show for it at the end. And it was all just a bit of a frustrating experience in the end. Uh, yeah, so, that's so frustrating. having a contract, even in those situations when you're doing work for free, I still recommend. And I am going to do that myself next time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. The second part of Trisha's question how do you write it? Hopefully, some of those services we mentioned before might come in handy um one more that i have to share from simon srh design who we often mention in uh questions on this show and he was also featured in our birthday episode too he sent us me a few links to one on hello bonsai about writing contracts and one on creative block that he found really useful when it was come came to writing his so we'll put them in the show notes and give them a read and hopefully they'll help you out but yeah like we said before there's loads of templates out there and template services so don't try and write it yourself use one of them yeah uh, Paul Jarvis has a really good one from the creative class Uh, it does cost but if you are looking for something that you you know can rely on and is not just going to be from some random person that's a little freebie uh, then you might want to look into that but yeah there's a lot of resources and tools and we'll make sure we link them all in the show notes so you know where to find them Jenny asked, do you have any clients asked to add non-competitive clauses in there and how do you respond to that? Do you give all IP rights to clients as well? Okay, so the first part of this about competitive clauses, I have never come across this before. Have you, Charlie? Only in my day job contracts, you know? Yeah. When they don't want you doing work, when you're employed full-time somewhere, they don't want you doing work for a competitor like freelance because that's a conflict of interest. I don't have that in my contract, and I've never had a client ask for that either. I could understand why they would want that, though, because, for example, if you are a specialist in something in particular and a client wants to work with you, they don't want you to also be sharing that knowledge with their competitor, but I don't think that you should put it in there as a freelancer. I think that the point of being a freelancer, being a contractor, is... You control the situation, I suppose, and you are a specialist and it's up to you who you work with. 
I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's also got me thinking about how that conflicts with your niche. And what I mean by that is if you're a freelancer that's defined a very specific niche, then obviously you're going to get to a point where people in that niche are competitors of each other. So like yeah. if your niche is, I don't know, luxury sports or something, then eventually you might do work for Nike and then Adidas and et cetera, et cetera, because they all fall within that niche and they are competitors with each other, but that's the niche that you serve and that you're best, you know, providing for. Do you know what I mean? Like that gets a bit confusing for me. I think that clients don't really have a right to make you sign a non-compete thing unless you're being taken on on a full-time basis. Like maybe, for example, if it's like a six-month contract, that you're doing with someone and you're working with them on a specific problem that I want you to then also be at the same time working with a competitor. I can see that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that's really the right situation for it f- with a freelancer to make them sign a non-compete. And there, in that clause in my contract I mentioned earlier about making the work original, that sort of covers that I'm not going to be then giving this to someone else and uh, the IP rights that Jenny talks about as well. Uh, depending on the project, the the IP rights and the copyright to the project will be passed on to the client at the end of it. So, you know, that again means that I won't be then doing the exact same thing for a competitor. But yeah, I, I think as a freelancer, you should be able to work with whoever you want. And unless it's a client that you want to work with, perhaps move to working with them full time. That's the only real situation. I could see that benefiting you. Yeah, I think if anything, it make sense to have it in there in terms of like you can't work with a competitor simultaneously at the same time yeah uh but having in having it in there like more generally like you can't work with competitor ever uh yeah I don't know if I would sign that personally no I definitely kind of limits your your options yeah what about uh rights what do you do have you always just transferred the rights to the project over to the client at the end? Is that how yours work? Yeah, usually. I did have a case where I had done like one of my very, actually my very first freelance project, which I think I've shared before, which was a t-shirt design uh, I did a few years ago now. And they came back to me earlier this year asking if they could reuse that t-shirt design for a new event. Uh, and I, I said, sure, but it's going to cost you this. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't given them all of the rights. So first of all, it was actually very nice that they came to me and asked because I think a lot of people wouldn't do that. Uh, and yeah, second of all, they didn't have the rights, so they kind of had to ask if they wanted to reuse it. Um, so yeah, it, it depends It depends on the project. With web design things, then usually, yes, I, I hand everything over. But like this t-shirt artwork one, for example, I didn't. Yeah, I think that when it's artwork to be printed on something, that's definitely a case for licensing. And that could be a whole other episode in itself that I don't know if, we'll, well, I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that yet because I don't quite know enough about it. Yeah. But licensing basically means that you still own the design but this company is paying to use it on this thing basically you know and it it would cost a lot more for them to do a buyout and you know own that design Uh, oh my god I can't believe I'm going to mention Jessica Heesh again but (laughs) I knew you were going to I was like okay she's gonna bring in Jessica Heesh any second now she has such a good article about this her article about pricing 
Yeah. Where she walks through like a scenario, it shows the difference in what, you know, a mythical project would cost if the client wanted to own the license to it, like a full buyout, versus just having the rights to use it for a year period on magazines or whatever. Uh, that really helped me get my head around the case for licensing and what it actually means. So, sorry, but you're going to have to go check her out again. <laughs> we'll link it. We'll link it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Naomi says, contracts are a must. I have one that I wrote based on several templates and I added to it based on my experience during projects. So that's a really good point. You can always iterate it. And then she said that she uses Moneybird, which is the same tool that I use, uh, to allow clients to sign them online, which saves my clients the hassle of printing and scanning them in. So that's kind of what I talked about earlier about using tools to your advantage to make it as easy as possible for your clients to sign your contract. Emery has a question that relates to the signing thing. He says, how can you make a contract official? If the client signs it, are they legally bound? How does that work? Yeah. How, how does that work, Fem? <laughs> well, yeah, when the client signs it, it's legally binding. So you can refer to it as a legal document, you know, any, any time throughout the project if you have to. And the signing, these days, the signing doesn't, necessarily have to be like a physical pen to paper signature you can accept like electronic signings that is like legitimate so you can send contracts digitally and have them digitally sign it that's still binding they don't have to physically sign it with a feather pen or anything do you know you can sign documents through preview that's how I often you can sign you can like draw your signature on a trackpad or whatever and it gets inserted into spaces that you've made in your contract. I only learned this recently and it's Same. amazing. <laughs> I used to That's like, why I thought I'd share it. I used to like draw my signature on a piece of paper, take yes. a photo, put it into Illustrator and like turn that into a sort of PNG a and then yeah, 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 and like <laughs> drop that onto things. Oh, yeah. It it doesn't have to be that difficult. You can just use preview. <laughs> Which is great, yeah. If you design your contract, like mine's just designed in InDesign, like my invoicing. But I will be looking at a service like Bonsai, I think. But yeah, because I've got like a line for the signature, Preview lets you just click on it and add a signature, which is really handy. And I think when it comes to contracts being legally binding, I guess that's why PT said that you have to get a lawyer to look over it first. I haven't had a lawyer look over mine. But... Neither. I, I, tr- I trust the source that my template came from, you know. I think that Sean, I got it from his letter in class and he's pretty good with these things. I know that technically, you know, he's not like a lawyer and he can't be bound by that. But yeah, I guess, I think if I was doing freelancing full time, I would pay for a lawyer to look at it. But because I don't, then I'm happy to just go with, with templates. And I understand that I may be taking a risk in doing that. But I don't know that sometimes you do take risks, right? Yeah, sometimes you do take risks. I mean, I'm the same. If I was freelancing full time, I would probably get a lawyer to check it out. Uh, But as a part timer where I only have to use that contract like a few times a year, you know, it's not worth me paying a lawyer to look over it. I probably would lose money. (laughs) The way I think about it is I'm not doing the types of projects where if a client didn't pay, I would take them to court. Right. So in that case... Yeah, if you were doing like $100,000 projects. Even tens of thousands of dollars, I might be more interested, but yeah. 
Uh, Naomi also shared a link to a Skillshare class on writing contracts for freelancers. Yeah, that looks really useful. Yeah, so, that so will go on our list for sure. There's so many resources out there now for freelancers when it comes to contracting and things. So, I mean, there's really no excuse if you're not sure about it. Just Google it. Uh, the New School has quite a few blog posts about contracts. Jessica Heesh is a good uh, source to go to. Now you mentioned her. Yeah, well, we know. We have to include her twice. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of resources and tools out there. So I would just recommend anybody listening to get yourself familiar with contracts. Why have them? Uh, why, like, having an email with your client is not going to be legally binding. <laughs> I think often we feel like we can just refer to like, oh, well, it's written down. Yeah, but it's not signed. So it's not going to be as legally binding as a contract would be. So yeah, just do your research online. There's a lot out there. And I would say too that it's not even just about it being legally binding, but having everything in one place in your contract or design agreement, whatever you're calling it, all of the clauses and terms that you're working under is really useful for making sure that you're both following along and you're both agreeing before the project starts rather than all those things being scattered in various emails and oh well that's written on my process page on my website so you should have known that you know having it all in one place and getting the client to read it and sign it is it's going to get the project off to the right foot before we go i just want to ask you another question fem have you ever had a client want to use their own contract instead of yours nope is that a thing that, that can be a thing that, you know, a client will... I've had a client ask that there was a piece in my contract about licensing, actually. It was that clause where I was saying it was a merch design, so I was doing it on a license basis and said that, you know, you'll be able to print it on this and you'll have the ownership for this amount of time. And they said, oh, actually, we need to uh, own the full rights to this piece. It was for um, a, a famous YouTuber, so obviously he wants to make sure that he's got everything, you know, is, is his own which is fair enough. And I said, okay, yeah, we'll change that. And they said, oh, we can get um, our, our lawyers to work on it. And I was like, no, 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 I'll do it. Like, oh, it's my contract. I don't know if I've yeah. ever heard of that happening, but I guess maybe it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah, I've also had some situations where we've both had a contract for each other to sign, like they've had a confidentiality agreement for, for right. me to sign, which is fair enough. Yeah, but I would say you should always make sure you're working under your own terms. So even if that means that you're signing their contract as well as yours, you know, make sure they don't conflict, obviously, but make sure that they're signing your contract and you're not just going off theirs because they don't know the your process and the design process and how you work. That's why they're hiring you, you know. So feel, feel free, like you can say no if they do ask for that. Yeah, good advice. I, I don't know if I would be inclined to sign a contract that my client provided that just sounds weird but I guess maybe in some situations it might be necessary I don't know yeah it's it might be necessary to have theirs as well you know for confidentiality and things like that but they should always always be signing yours don't use theirs instead of yours as well yeah I'm saying. yeah that's good advice cool well I think that's the advice we have to share for now but huge thank you to everyone who joined in on Twitter for this one because we've got all those resources that you see most of them came from our listeners which is really cool so if you want to join in the conversation next time please follow us on twitter we are at design life fm and you can listen to all past episodes on itunes just search design life fm or in any podcast app that you use and you can also check our website out which is designlife.fm and there you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and remember those sticker packs as well <laughs> 
yes, please show your support for the show by buying a sticker pack. Design Life is sponsor-free, so to keep it that way, we would love your support. Good chat, fam. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.